Um, yeah. All right. Let's let's uh, let's do a podcast on Jerry Springer. Christ. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, this picture contains scenes which under no circumstances should be viewed by anyone with a heart condition or anyone who is easily upset. Hey, welcome back to Optimism Vaccine. I'm Steve, and uh, joining me today, certified weed king, ganja smoker, pot daddy, rolling it fat. He loves 311. It's Adam Myros. I, I'm, I can't really verify any of these statements, but, uh, you know. I I'm here anyway. I, that that much is true. Yeah, this is the uh, the potheads dilemma. What's a better day for you? Is it is it March 11th or is it April 20th? Is that a thing? Are people well, that into 311 in the oh year? Oh yeah. Of our Lord, oh yeah. 2023. They, yeah. Oh they they do it and they and every year 311 plays a concert for three hours and eleven minutes. Can you imagine that? Uh, no. <laughs> what would I, that be I, like? I think like <laughs> probably some of their hit songs might be around three minutes and 11 seconds and that's uh, that's far too long for me frankly <laughs> well the real question is jack eason also here and jack uh what's the color of your energy i just i don't even know what's happening at this point i just <laughs> you're supposed to say amber motherfuckers why don't you understand by 311 references? i don't even know who 311 are they're a band I think I've heard oh, of them, dude. but no, that passed me by. They might have. Did, did you guys have cargo shorts and wallet chains over there? I mean, I think I think they were popular. Maybe I never listened to them. I don't know anything about them. Oh no, I'm God. just. You would know. They have that shitty Cure cover. I, you would you would know this shit. It's basically oh, yeah. like you probably just think it's sublime when you hear it on the radio, and then you change the station. I don't listen to the radio. That's how I missed most of these things. <laughs> Well, yeah, it's, uh, it's good, yeah, man. Fair. It's everything that we love about the 90s. It's sublime mixed with like shitty, like Limp Biscuit rap rock. And it just, oh, oh you're right. Yeah, yeah those are all stuff. the things I love about the 90s. I'm so glad that we, we've also yeah. uh, folded in our favorite 90s elements to this very episode. <laughs> no, yeah, this we is very have. inappropriate. Uh, yeah, it, I mean, that, that was the whole point here because, uh, you know, it's the 90s. What do we love? Well, uh, we love. 311, clearly. And we also love Jerry Springer. God bless the man. Uh, yeah, we're, this is a very special episode. We, uh, we derailed our schedule so we could clear it for Jerry. And uh, gentlemen, I don't know about you, but I couldn't be happier. I'm just so confused. <laughs> I, I thought this Christ. was going to be a diversion into just some kind of maybe bad movies. But honestly, yeah, we've uncovered something utterly perplexing in this episode. And I think I think that's almost worth it, frankly. Yeah, this is I mean, you know, when we decided, OK, let's watch the uh, the cinema of Jerry Springer here. I think initially the thought was, well, there's one potential curiosity and then something else that is probably going to be bad, but it also has like the weirdest DVD cover I've ever seen, <laughs> uh, which I I tweeted it out last night. If you want to go look at it, it's fucking weird. Um, it's so yeah, and, and then you know Jerry Springer, he he had the movie Ringmaster, which was allegedly you know also the title of his. Uh, well, I mean, it was the title of his autobiography, so you would think it'd be the story of Jerry Springer, but it's really not. It is not God, the movie I that I wish. thought it was going to be. Yeah, <laughs> I we fucking only fucking wish. wish. Well, let me tell you about Jerry fucking Springer. If you didn't know, uh, most people just know him as the king of trashy daytime talk show TV. Uh, he sort of exemplified that extreme 90s bullshit, uh, whether it was, you know, I mean, Attitude Era, WWE Raw, doing swears and showing boobies, uh, South Park humor, Jerry Springer. These are all hallmarks of the 90s and jerry is kind of the linchpin of all that he represents everything uh jerry springer is a far more interesting man than that though uh he was born in a fucking bunker underground in london in 1944 because uh his parents escaped the holocaust and uh yeah uh, they escaped from poland and i think his like aunt was murdered in concentration in a concentration camp as were his both of his grandparents on either side so pretty fucked up. Then Jerry comes to America, eventually gets a law degree, finds himself in politics in Ohio, Cincinnati of all places, is a city council member. And wouldn't you know, 
He pays for a hooker with a personal check. And Myros, I know you could speak to this. You never do that one, right? Bad move. Well, I mean, it's a little old for my era, Steve. I, I, the personal checks these days? Yeah. You're more of a Venmo guy? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you, you still should probably keep your name off such things. I mean, I think, yeah. I think and, but and the, we, in the late 90s, early 2000s, I mean, the joke is you're just supposed to run your, your credit card between their cheeks. Mm-hmm. Yes, exactly. Exactly. And, uh, you know, I, yeah, my mistake that I always make is, is when I pay with Venmo, and then in the notes section, I do eggplant emoji, peach emoji, and that gets you every time. They know what you're doing. Uh, but anyways, if you were to do that now, or if you were to write a personal check in the 1970s, what's going to happen? Someone's going to find out. Jerry Springer gets kicked off of the city council, immediately turns back around, runs for mayor, runs ads himself, his own team. He runs ads where he literally says in the ad, yeah, I paid for a prostitute with a check and because I'm an honest guy. <laughs> I do things the honest way. And he wins in a landslide. Now, he went on to uh, have some unsuccessful political uh, adventures. He tried to run for, I think, Congress. And at one point, he was even entertaining a Senate run. And I think even a governor run in Ohio at some point. Didn't work out for him. But he did get into the world of broadcasting. And he was a kind of a news correspondent. And uh, he, to the point where he got popular enough where he was like, being parodied by local DJs and shit like that. So he was, he was kind of a big deal in Cincinnati. And then in the early nineties, he finally got his own talk show, but talk shows aren't really what we tend to think of what talk shows are today. So if I say talk show, you think of Mari Popich and you think of Steve Wilkos and you think of Jerry Springer and it's basically, Oh, you're the father. You're not the father. Let's have a fist fight. Uh, I've been fucking my dad, things like that. And prior to that becoming popular, though, talk shows were, it was like all this Phil Donahue, Oprah bullshit. It was just, you know, issues of the day, gun control. What's up with that? Uh, <laughs> things, things of that's that a, nature. That's an interesting question. Like if you were to ask me like what the content of like Sally, Jesse, Raphael was, I don't think I could tell you a single mm -hmm. fucking thing that ever. Well, and the answer is. Show. Yeah, it's it, it was always like lighter topics, whereas eventually what Jerry Springer became was more of a late night play, the, the Morton Downey, if you will, uh, just kind of, you know, extreme trash TV. Now, the secret to Jerry's magic, because he just he continued to push the envelope because he was eating shit in the ratings because there's enough Sally, Jesse, Raphael, there's enough Phil Donahue, there's enough Oprah. You don't need another one of those. Uh, the secret sauce was he found that the more he pushed things, the better ratings he got. So he continued to push and push and push. The reason is, initially, talk shows were conceived for people who stay home during the day, which advertisers thought were housewives, right? Oh, you got your cooking and your cleaning done, and now you could sit down and watch Sally Jesse. When, in fact, there's a whole large group of, of people out there who are sitting at home watching TV, not because they are housewives with a, a, a husband off working, but because, because they just don't have a fucking job. And so Jerry specifically tailored his content to that audience, uh, essentially courting them <laughs> to be on his show and uh, kind of creating this weird exploitation cycle. And that's how he became one of the biggest media figures. And by 1998, he was actually beating week to week. He was beating Oprah which is fucking insane. Uh, so, Jerry Springer, massive cultural figure, exemplifies Gen X extremeness and the 1990s. So, he gets a movie deal, and it's got the same title as his autobiography. So we're going to get the life story of Jerry Springer, aren't we, guys? I, I don't, I, is there a story like... This bears some researching, but I, after seeing this movie, the last thing I wanted to do was delve further into its world. But is there, like, a reason why we didn't get that? <laughs> I have no idea. You might notice uh, the, the screenwriter of Ringmaster, I believe this was his first screenwriting credit. <laughs> Hopefully so, his fucking last. Uh, no, he wrote like he wrote like Meet the Robinsons or something. He really I mean, the, the main like thing with movies. Ringmaster is is that it just seems like Jerry Springer was like too busy to be in it. 
It, it, like yes. <laughs> so I, I, he's barely there. Right. And it's directed by not someone that I would call like a complete nobody, but an absolute schlub who previously had just done some music videos. So we're going cheap on the script. We're going cheap on the director. Production in general, pretty cheap. Uh, not a lot of big name stars for the day, although there are some fun cameos. You get Michael Jai White in this, and that's pretty cool. Um, but somehow this is a $20 million movie. It has a $20 million budget. Well, I got to say, I'm struggling to find $20,000 worth of production here. <laughs> it's cheap as fuck. The script is batshit to like a, a degree I've never experienced. It's not really a movie about Jerry Springer. It's about people who are on the Jerry Springer show eventually. And it's this weird... I, I don't want to call it a comedy because that's giving it too much credit, but it's like this fucking farcical hillbilly family drama with comedic elements. Right. That has a second act that's contained in a hotel that plays out like a really shitty, unfunny, like French sex comedy. And then it ends in a shitty, truncated, like fictionalized version of what a Jerry Springer episode would be. It's fucking deranged. It's, yeah, I'm, I'm, I suppose the, the main thing is, like, for both of these movies, honestly, is that it's not just that they're, like, bad genre films. It's, it, it's that both mm -hmm. of these films don't seem sure what genre they're even aiming for. Not in, like, a subversive way. Not like they're mixing things up or that, you know, they, they've mixed and melded genre. They, they genuine. They just don't seem like... It seems like when they started and by the time they got halfway through, they just didn't know what they were making anymore. This absolutely mm -hmm. looks like it's going to be just a dumb sex comedy. You would think, based on the setup, this is this is private parts, but Jerry Springer, right? The Howard Stern movie came out, I think, a couple of years prior. was very successful, weirdly successful. Even abroad, I remember, it seemed like plenty of people were talking about it, even though I don't think we even knew who Howard Stern was mm -hmm. particularly. But it had boobs in it, and he seemed very good-natured, and it was like... You know, just kind of one of those movies you see on TV. Why not? Seems like that would be the natural thing to do for Jerry Springer, especially considering the dude was born in a fucking bunker under, like, German fire. I mean, it, mm -hmm. you, you think you could parlay that into something. But instead, yeah, it's, it's this weird fictional account of the Jerry Springer show. And, of course, what everyone loved about the Jerry Springer show was that everyone on it was definitely an actor. Like, what, what was the concept of, like, basically hiring Jamie Presley in one of her earliest roles um, and a few others just to show up as, as supposedly trashy guests on the Jerry Springer show? Except it's not the Jerry Springer show because they didn't even get the license for that. It's just the Jerry show. And Jerry is not Jerry Springer in the show. Abs He's Jerry Farrelly. Jerry Farrelly. <laughs> like, it is just, uh, this movie just seems like a weird prank that no one thought to stop like some people were playing chicken with a bad yeah. idea and they just they just kept going it's yeah it's odd because well they couldn't call the jerry springer show because they couldn't get the rights to the jerry springer show even though that's his name so that's kind of a red flag too you know <laughs> like yeah. how can he not get the naming rights to his own show why wouldn't the show want that it's it's instant promotion it doesn't make any sense uh well, I read the script. Well, I mean, I, well, I want to see a copy of the script. I need to look, I need to know what it looks like on paper because it feels like it feels like a treatment. It's just like a concept. It, you know, it's like, OK, well, it's Jerry Springer. But are you going to tell his life story? No, that's too obvious. Howard Stern already did it. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to talk about the weird people that end up on his show. And who gives a fuck? They're disposable. They're just caricatures that represent different, uh, you know, absurdist things or things that that people want to laugh at, whether it's nice to laugh at that thing or not. Right, yeah, it's it, and it's supposed to be. It's uh, yeah, it's it's supposed to be uh, like a like what's weird about this. Is it tries to, to spin it that Jerry Springer is essentially like he delivers a speech at one point to a news reporter uh, in one of his few scenes in the movie, he mostly just walks around just with, and people go up to him and go, wow, are you Jerry? And he's like, yes. And then he leaves and he just looks kind of flustered by the fact that he's famous. That seems to be his, his 
role but at one point a, a reporter interviews him and he he goes off on her and he's like you know you're just upset about poverty i'm not upset about poverty poverty is real and my show gives these people a voice which is you know the, the insane like apology that the real jerry springer show tried to engage in too it was like well, it's not exploitation this is you know real people real lives they love it and you know uh, very questionable methodology for all of that. But you you can't really do that when you're definitely hiring actors and making up stories about how they're all just a bunch of, like, incestuous double-crossing freaks. Uh, you know, you can't mm -hmm. just do that and go, that's poor people for you, and you know what? They deserve respect. It's like, what? You you can't do that. That's insane. And, that, yeah, and that's the and movie. It's like... <laughs> I mean, I, trust, I love me some Jerry Springer. I'll watch some Jerry Springer. I'm not above it, but it, it's it is pure exploitation. Oh, yeah, right? I mean, <laughs> come on. But it it gets even weirder when you make a movie like that, and and basically the first you know hour and fifteen minutes of this movie, it's us, and we're supposed to laugh at these like poor people who simply cannot stop like fucking their mom or whatever. And her fucking their, or the mom fucks the daughter's boyfriend and the stepdad fucks the daughter. I don't know. We're supposed to laugh at this. Like, it, 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 that's the goal, I think. And then at the end, there's this thing where, yeah, this, this guy like stands up in the crowd. He's just like, you're disgusting and how dare you and blah. And then Jerry goes in his speech. He's like, no, I'm giving everyone a voice. I'm sorry. So we're not supposed to laugh. We're supposed <laughs> right. to feel empathy for these characters. It's... Well, I guess fucking mission accomplished. Because I sure didn't laugh once. <laughs> <in this game. laughs> I mean, yeah, it's 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 wild. And even even on that aside, like the, the idea of like what the movie's about, and it sounds straightforward when you talk about it. Like, oh, it's about a family of people and they're just like trailer trash who can't stop having sex with things they shouldn't have sex with. And then we just follow them on their journey to the Jerry Springer stage. That sounds pretty simple. It's not. I, I don't know well, why you're does this movie the second, feel weird. The second group. It's not just one. You've got you've got the white trash and then you've got the black trash too. That's uh -huh, they gotta that's get true. equal yeah. opportunity. Universal trash. Yes, that's true. Every, two every Americas. poor person yeah. from from yeah. all races is, is Jerry equally. Jerry also ahead of the curve on trans representation, let me tell you. Let's... Oh my what the fuck is that subplot even doing in there? My it's, God. It's it's kind of wild because it's like it's the longest long tail joke that isn't even remotely funny. <laughs> it's, I mean, I think it, it, it hits as like a wonderful, so, so essentially this subplot is that there's an episode where it's like, I'm a man by day and a woman by night. So it's not even, I don't know if it's trans or just, you know, just transvestitism, you know, a cross dress or mm. whatever, not really clarified one way or another, but the character. Well, it's called the nineties. Yeah, true. There was no such thing as trans. The 90s. It's true. Yeah. That's the yeah. was a cross dresser. <laughs> so, so they, they have this episode earlier on of the character, one of, one of the, the, people on that episode crops up here and there and eventually one of the jerry's producers ends up sleeping with this person but thinking that they're a woman while they're doing it, or believing they're a woman and maybe they are i don't know not clarify because it's the 90s they didn't really have the vocabulary for this and this movie certainly was not doing much of anything anyway but um mm. yeah it, it's really odd because it's basically like the whole thing plays out it's like no we need to respect these people we're giving a voice to the poor and the oppressed and it's difficult out there etc and then it's just kind of like laugh at the man who accidentally slept with another man it's like this weird punching down yeah. joke in the like last five minutes just so we can all like we you know what what will unite us all we can all be very open-minded about all of this stuff and you know the jerry springer show is definitely you know doing social good but you know we can all turn and point <laughs> at the man who who accidentally banged another dude and is gay and doesn't know it or whatever you know, that's, yeah. and that's the 90s in a nutshell i think basically yeah yeah so i mean that's perfect encapsulation and then it, it, it's also good explaining this stupid joke that you know the setup happens like 30 minutes in and it gets paid off in the last like two minutes of the film uh the reason that this joke happens the setup is jerry springer is asked to perform a, a song, an original song at a honky tonk 
Holy shit, this fucking movie. And his movie. producer oh. runs into uh, this woman or this man who's dressed as a woman or whatever at the honky tonk, which all of this is, yeah, that, and again, you're like, what, how, how do we get to this point? And the movie is, it's cutting between, here's the white trash family, here's the black family, and then here's Jerry Springer walking into a honky tonk talking about how he doesn't want to sing a song, but he's going to do it anyway. And you really got to wonder how we got here. This is not a Jerry Springer movie. It's just a movie where he's just floating and he looks uncomfortable and, and I'm confused. And yeah, the, <laughs> the there's a moment wild, like man. really early that, where I'm still trying to figure out what the movie is. And I'm like, oh, obviously we're not doing a, a, the story of Jerry Springer. God forbid that might be interesting, but there's still this moment where he's like going out with his, I, I guess his producer or something to lunch at this diner. And the producer's like, I got something big to tell you, Jerry. Here's big news. I'm like, okay, here comes our canned Jerry Springer portion of the plot. And then the scene, it just involves like a, a women flashing breasts at him. And then the guy's like, Jerry's like, oh, what did you need to tell me? He's like, well, I'm not telling you now. And then that's the end of the scene. And it just moves <laughs> yeah. forward. There's this like, weird. That, that, that was whole... supposed to be the plot intro being introduced to the film. <laughs> like, he's, he's, not a, he's not really a character. He's just like a, he's an object. And the joke is he can't get anything done in the movie or say anything or, or be part of the plot, really. Because every time he goes somewhere, there's a woman flashing him or asking for his autograph. Or something wacky's happening, there, and so he can never do anything. There's this weird, like, misogynist bent through the whole movie, and it's perplexing in the way that it's laid out, because it could be so easily avoided that it feels like it's on purpose to some degree or another, which is, yeah, Jerry is, like, constantly confronted by women who are, like, say, just flashing him or, you know, ask him to sign stuff. They all love him. They all think he's so good-looking. And Jerry's just kind of, like, looks like he's utterly bored by the whole situation. He doesn't want to be there, and these women are just kind of like, oh, okay, you know, like, I respectfully, you know, appreciate your support, but, you know, God, this happens all the time. But woe is me. And then in the interim, every other woman in the film is just, like, a, a basically a succubus just basically trying to latch on to men and control and drain their essence. And all the men are just like kind of like flustered imbeciles who just kind of don't know what's going on or kind of like got roped in by the women to do this or that. You know, they're like just thinking with their dicks, but like they're just they're they're good natured fellas, basically. And so, like the whole movie, like every woman in the movie is like some kind of screeching harpy uh, up until there's like a weird dramatic turn where it's like, no we should look closer. And it's like, you can't look closer if you didn't write the character. You can't do that now. <laughs> That's not this movie. And yeah. the whole back 45 minutes of it is is basically a dramatic release of a cartoon character. It doesn't make any sense. It's absolutely insane. It would just yeah. be like in the middle of like a foghorn leghorn cartoon if he just started talking to the camera about how sad he was. It would be like, mm -hmm. what? Well, hey, let's talk about the good things. In Ringman, this should be uh, short. Ama amazing, <laughs> amazing cast. You got Michael Jai White. You got uh, Michael Dudikoff, uh, '80s action star. Uh, Jamie Presley. You got Molly Hagan. Uh, William McNamara. It's really an all-star cast here, and also just just an incredible performance, specifically well performances from Michael Jai White and Jamie Presley. Jamie Presley in a movie with a lot of boobs, is extremely dedicated to not showing her boobs. And there's an amazing scene where she is having sex with Michael Jai White and her, like, boyfriend, fiancé, whoever it is, walks in on them having sex. And her breasts are, are like, hidden by the massive bicep of Michael Jai White. And, and I just think... You want to talk about directing. Uh, my my favorite <laughs> part of that scene is the, is the aftermath where we, we all know the L-shaped sheet in Hollywood, you know, which goes further up on the woman to, you know, keep everything covered up. They they one-up this in the in this movie by having Jamie Presley essentially fashion some kind of sheet jumpsuit that she has mm -hmm. crafted and molded around her in the bed. It's extremely confusing, but um, I, yeah, Jamie Presley's really... God, it's such an 
odd career at this point. I mean, this is a very early role for her. This is before she was, this is kind of like, she wasn't really a known entity, I don't think, at this point. But she's, it it does sum up where she would go by the time we got to, like, Joe Dirt and My Name is Earl, which is that she just got weirdly coded as, like, white trash lady. And I think it's just because she's Mm -hmm. from, like, North Carolina, so she's, like, Southern. But, like, she's, she doesn't, fit anything else i mean she's clear i think she's like a former gymnast and she looks like it and she looks like just very you know very pretty you know like well taken care of girl who has a southern accent and they're just like yeah that's what meth users look like let's go that's what we're putting on the screen (laughs) like it's just this insane casting that hollywood leaned into for her over and over again and I mean, she's fine. She she works it out, but it's it's just such a a strange thing. And then you you counter that with the fact that I, like they bring up for her early in the movie, like she does have a legitimate concern, like almost like a Ken Loach movie early on. She has this issue where her workplace can't get her surname right, and it messes up her uh, employment checks, and she can't cash them. And there's like causes of financial shortfall, and she has like a throws a fit in like a Western Union or whatever, where she's trying to trying to cash her paycheck because because it won't match her name on her driver's license. And it's like, oh, you know, this is like an actual real thing that you know would happen and would frustrate wage earners who are living check to check. And, you know, and they kind of acknowledge that. And that's about it. That's about the full extent of social issues. Then she goes home and she starts fucking her stepdad again. And her mom knows about it. And her mom decides, fine, I'm going to go out and I'm going to blow your boyfriend in in the like outside of her mobile home. And then mm-hmm. finds out and everyone's do. so delighted. It's like, oh, we could get on the Jerry show. We could air all of our grievances on the Jerry show. That would be wonderful. Why? What is the allure to being like? And they're like, they'll buy, they'll put us up in a hotel. And it's like, is like, why? Why would you people do? And they're just, they seem so disinterested in their own material conditions and in their, their own, like, you know, love lives or their car crash love lives. It doesn't make any sense. Like, they're just, they're not real characters. None of it's drawn out. It's just like, they just Mm want to be on the Jerry show. And because they want to be on the Jerry show so bad, that reinforces the Jerry show is giving a voice to these people who are real people, even though we invented them. That's... I mean, this is, this is like, yeah, it's Ken Loach if you... Asked him to write a script, but first you deprived his brain of oxygen right, yeah. for 30 minutes. It's like minutes. Ken Loach if Steve then... choked him out for a while. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Then I let you leave him to bake in the Florida sun for a bit. <laughs> it's just, yeah, it's, it's fucking terrible. Um, but I, we watched Ringmaster. What were we expecting? I don't know what I was expecting. I was, I was really hoping for like some sort of 90s curio. And you, you do get... I mean, you get the vibe. It's got the 90s vibe to it, but there's nothing there, man. <laughs> Jesus <is> fucking Christ. <laughs> Adam, what vibe? Adam, the you want to wanna... vibe of like, like 9-11 was a, a blessing or what? I don't <laughs> <laughs> Adam, you, you want to chime in with your favorite two live crew tracks? Yeah. Uh, yeah, it does open with two live crew, which is, is again, very on point for, for what this fucking is. But that's the, like, I don't understand this movie because it is... Well, I I understand that it's complete shit, but I don't understand the intent because it's very much pitched as a comedy. Like mm-hmm. the score is one of the most obnoxious things you'll ever hear in your life, but it, it screams like '90s kids movie almost. Like it's just so fucking miserable. Uh, it's just filled with like blaring sound effects and like it's like a fucking circus. Uh, <laughs> but then it, it it wants to have this like humanist bent. That makes no sense. And like Molly Hagen's character especially is like, I mean, Molly Hagen might not be like a name you recognize, but she's been in fucking a thousand things and apparently like decided this was like her fucking Oscar moment or something. Like, I don't have any idea what's going on with this like stupid dick Jerry Springer comedy where like halfway through the movie, all of a sudden it's like, the Molly Hagen drama hour, and you're like, what the fuck is that? this? What is this? Who wants to be watching this? I, yeah. I, I that's, just... That's where the movie tries to get, like, it tries to connect and, and get a little humanity and a little bit of emotion where abruptly out of nowhere, Molly Hagen's character, uh, who, as she, she tries to proposition Michael Jai White for sex, 
And after he repeatedly turns her down, she's just like, will you just hold me then? <laughs> And it's fucking like insane. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think a true line for a lot of our episodes is like watching movies and just like looking back and we're going, this seems like it was an embezzlement scheme. But this movie <laughs> yeah. really feels like it was an embezzlement scheme. Like, because we say, according to Google and, and Box Office Mojo, the estimated budget for this thing is $20 million. It's not on the screen. Like, none of these stars, like, you know some of these names, but these no. are not big stars. And I get that, like, box office mojo is not the gospel, okay? But, like, let's say that the actual budget for this was $10 million. $5 million. Is any of that on screen? No, the Jerry (laughs) set literally just looks like they just threw some curtains up in a conference room. Like, it is the cheapest, Mm -hmm. shittiest looking movie throughout. Well, and there aren't a lot of other locations either you've got the hotel and then you've got the the little trailer park it's it's not a very expansive film i i really don't know where any of that money could have gone so yeah i, I hope someone got rich off of it Whoever i'm guessing jerry was, was able to write a few more checks for getting his rocks off whatever you know maybe at the cash mm-hmm. just just took it out of the cash box every day yeah it's i, I mean so. well, i mean i I don't think anyone got rich considering it uh, didn't even make half that money no. back. Yeah, but, it know. definitely tanked, but you know. No, but <laughs> that's that's why you steal from the budget up front so yeah, that you don't have to exactly. worry about whether or not it does well. <laughs> yeah, it's just it's that's, just that's remarkable decisive. to find as we're going to discuss not one but two movies that seems like it it couldn't even choose a genre like that. You think that's one of the first things a scriptwriter would probably nail down, and here we have two movies that are like mm, never quite figured it out. Hmm. It's uh. It's something. It's something. Well, it makes sense, sort of, in the, you know, in a post uh, private parts world for Jerry Springer to be Jerry Springer on screen. But what happens when Jerry Springer decides to branch out further and actually embrace a career in acting? Uh, well, <laughs> that takes us to our next movie, which is. um. It's it's proto the 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 purge. It's I I mean I don't think it's got the the best editing, but it's got the most editing, the most cuts I've ever seen made in a film. Uh, the fucking camera work too, boy. Somebody thought they were really onto something. Just fucking keep it moving all the time. No static yeah. shots, baby. <laughs> I, I, I guess the best I can say is after watching Ringmaster and just being kind of like floored by how weird and just formless the whole thing is, you watch something like Citizen Verdict and you go, wow, uh, Ringmaster is actually a structured masterpiece <laughs> because what in the fuck is going on here? This is uh, this. It's something else, man. The closest I can think of for Citizen Verdict, the, like the, the touchstone I came back to, because again, this looks like it's going to be a really trashy exploitation movie, and then it plays out like a drama. It plays out like a serious drama, and that's incredibly confusing considering what they chose to actually focus on within it. But it really, this feels like a Peter Watkins film. It feels like a social issues film dressed up satirically as a genre film. It's like Punishment Park. Mm-hmm. But imagine if Peter Watkins was a moron and that would be the movie like who, who had no real interest in the actual social issues, just had a vague concept. Something was wrong somewhere in America and just kind of ran with it. That would be this film, which basically like kind of like builds up a head of steam. Like there's a lot of things wrong. And then towards the end, it's just kind of like everything will be fine. And that's your movie. Yeah, this oh, is and like, it's got Roy Schneider yeah. in it. <laughs> well, yeah, and Armando Sante. Yeah, it's just it, it's just a uh, a step away from like the the geezer teaser. You know, that's that's where we're at in here. This is obviously, I would say, it must be overseas production, right? Like it's it just has that feel. Oh, yeah, it's shot in South Africa, remember. Canada, and Tampa, Florida. Oh, there is some American footage Up somewhere there. in there. Uh, yeah, I think it's mostly South yeah. Africa though. That's probably just the man on the street interviews are fucking <laughs> Tampa. Yeah, that's right. There's lots of Vox probably. Pop elements in this, which again feels like a Peter Watkins movie, except that there's no structure in it whatsoever. 
it's like no. th- this is like hardcore just like two separate movies where at one at one point it's it's like a really poorly made like verhoven type satire right and on the other hand it's just like i don't know like fucking dead man walking or something it's like if you put on the running <laughs> yeah. man like if someone proposed like what if we made the running man but it made you cry and that's like the, that's the <laughs> point and it has like the tone and lilt of the running man like it's insane and over the top like adam says it's kind of like a verhoven-esque kind of thing but then underneath it it really seems to think that it's like asking questions and pushing envelopes and it's not doing those things at all it, it has so little substance beneath it um but it's still an hour and a half long an hour and 37 minutes long i believe it, it could have done something in the runtime instead it's mostly just armand asante just looking kind of I, I just took a note of uh, walking a fine line between intensity and stupor which seems to be like to say, like he's just he he just stares a lot and he just kind of trails off and it's kind of like is this a is this acting or is he just kind of drunk maybe it's very difficult mm-hmm. to tell. Yeah, I, I guess yeah, the genre stuff that kind of fucks with me because I don't know. You watch something like The Running Man, yeah, it's satire and it's it's fucking completely over the top and it's fun. Uh, and, and there, I mean, there's some meat to it, but at the end of the day, it's fucking fun. Like, it's just yeah. fun to watch Arnold Schwarzenegger just, you know, kill people and say one-liners. Uh, same thing goes for, uh, you ever seen the, it, like, late 80s movie Death Row game show? Uh, that's another one. It's simple concept. It's like, oh, these Death Row inmates compete and they either die or they win money. It's the same shit. And then this is just like... What if America got to decide, like, you're voting on fucking American Idol to see what the verdict is for these criminals? And you would think they would have some fun with it, but there's no fun to be had. It's just, it's completely and fucking no, it's, serious. It's a, yeah, a weirdly morose thing. And also what's really strange about it, like, is it latches onto this idea that, like, Florida, which is probably the most realistic element of it, Florida has decided it's going to basically put death row on live voting, you know, because why not, you know, and make it a spectacle. Yeah, and sure. and you can tune in for the for the execution of prisoners on pay-per-view. It's $20. And I'm like, okay, so this is like a whole vision of America, you know, kind of like basically crumbling. You know, you you can do things with this. You can view it. And then the the main twist later on is this kind of like they find and Jerry Springer is a producer. He's the brainchild behind this. He's playing he's playing like the the nasty TV executive who's you know orchestrating all this and claiming that he's doing it to you know solve social problems. And then it turns out he's actually corrupt and he's actually gaming the trials a little bit. And th- this mm-hmm. is revealed midway through the movie, and it's a surprise to absolutely no one. Obviously, it's very clearly that's what's going to happen. And then once that happens, it's just like everyone, all the politicians who have been like intoning about how this is a necessary thing to make, you know, to bring justice to, to America and put civilization back on track, etc. And all the lawyers who have been intoning that it's, you know, it's perfectly fine to do this on television, etc. You know, and they're, they're going to do their jobs and this is OK. All of them just find out that Jerry Springer's character is like is, is corrupt. And they're just like, oh, well, this whole thing was a mistake then. And it's all his fault and he gets like taken down a peg and the politicians are all like we're gonna run a tight ship from now and now on and it's and it's like it doesn't address any of the like circumstances that would like lead you towards this becoming an acceptable notion that everyone would be tuning in to literally watch a dude getting lethal injected on television it's just the laziest Mm. most mind-numbingly stupid film imaginable played as if it were like actually kind of pushing the envelope and doing stuff. It, it's incredible. And also it's worth ma- mentioning, and we, we tried both Prime, this is streaming on Prime and on Tubi, the People's Network, uh, where live executions would show up pay-per-view if they ever do in America. <laughs> and uh, it, mm-hmm. the sound mix in this sounds like they like just had everyone just record in a cardboard box or something. Like everyone spoke their lines through like a... a, a like paper towel insert tube or something. It sounds like absolute it's shit. Up. It's it sounds like like have you ever been somewhere super super loud and you know let's let's pretend you're at a, a big pool party or something and then you go underwater and then you just kind of hear like the distorted <laughs> sound 
That's what it sounds like. It, See, it to me, it sounded like, like uh, you're submerged. Like when someone uh, can't figure out how to like share a, a clip from a record from their television, so they just like hold their phone up to the television and record a, a video or something, and mm-hmm. you're just catching like the TV audio through the phone microphone. That's that's where yeah. I was going. Yeah, with honestly, it. God, like, I wouldn't I be surprised they lost the master audio and they just had one VHS copy left and they re-recorded the sound off that. It's <laughs> they just held the microphone yeah, to the TV. like it just sounds like that. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's it's kind of fucked, and it's fucked on Tubi, and it's also fucked on Amazon Prime. So then it's like, well, did they just upload a fucked version to both platforms, or? Is that what the movie sounds like? I mean, maybe we should report it because I'm I'm pretty sure we're the only people who have watched this movie. We're maybe that we could be the front line of <laughs> making the change. Yeah, well, I do have some good news, uh, and I, and I wanted to make this announcement here live on the show. Um, we're gonna find out if if it's just fucked up on Prime and Tubi, or if it's actually fucked up because I went on Amazon and there is was one DVD copy of American <laughs> Verdict on Amazon for sale uh, for $4.44, a steal. And so I purchased it and I sent it to Adam Myros's home. So uh, Wednesday oh, of next week, Myros, you will have Citizen Verdict in your hands and we will get the verdict on whether or not the sound is completely Cannot fucked wait. on the DVD as well. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yep, yep, yep. So we're gonna learn. We'll we'll be able to announce it at some point. So, um, but yeah, I, it's it's an- another weird thing about this movie. It feels like there's also a meta textual element to this movie. I note down that at one point, Asante calls Springer's character a ringmaster. And it's like, oh, there, that's ah, that's the whole thing. And then, good call and back. then later on, uh, Jerry says, uh, or maybe it's Asante, I don't remember, says, take care of yourself, which, you know, intones, obviously, Jerry Springer's famous uh, closing statements for him, for his show. And it's like, okay, yeah, that's all there. So, um, does that mean anything? Do you, do you guys, can you guys string any meaning from that? Does that, does that help? Uh, there's no meaning to be had here, I don't oh, think. Oh, damn it. It's... <laughs> I took these notes I got, I got for nothing. nothing from that. God damn it. It's it's also it's I mean, it's difficult to listen to this movie. It's difficult to which makes it difficult to follow the movie, but it's like physically difficult to watch this film for most of it because especially in the beginning, like the first test of watching Citizen Verdict is surviving the first 30 seconds. Uh it, it's genuinely like they it, it's like they're kicking the camera around the room. And this goes back to a theory that I have which is if you want to become a filmmaker, you're just, you're not allowed to watch natural born killers ever. Because <laughs> all of this, it's just an outgrowth of that. And you, you're just, you can't. Have you seen the movie? Yeah, I've seen natural born killers. Great. You're not allowed to touch a fucking camera for the rest of your life. That's it. I, I mean, it's just it's appalling it's it's we, difficult to watch without getting nauseous. we should definitely sum up because i mean we talk about okay so neither of these movies are very good they're difficult to watch for various technical reasons the writing is not great in them so on and so forth citizen verdict also includes two baffling sequences that are basically just an excuse to play entire songs uh, and and mm-hmm. one of those is they have the execution sequence Spoiler, the guy gets found guilty, but there'll be a twist. Don't worry. <laughs> you'll Maria. you'll, you'll Don't never worry. find out what the twist is because you'll never watch this movie, nor should you. Adam's going to watch it again for you. And yeah, his entire, his entire <laughs> execution is played out to fucking Ave Maria for what feels like about seven and a half minutes. It's agonizing. And then I'm going to tell you, that's I think I turned on the movie right there. I was like, OK. This is this is the funniest thing I've seen. <laughs> That's the point where you started liking it. Yeah, exactly. It's a deeply Catholic film. At the end of the day, uh, <laughs> yeah, okay, yeah that that part kind of rules. Like the decision just to play the whole thing. Well, they just it keep rocks. like it has all these fucking ridiculous like uh, extreme close ups on the on the people who are watching the execution with these sad faces, and I'm just like. What movie am I watching? This is the most unearned bullshit I've ever also, seen. Another thing that I liked, I, I did, the movie found some charms it, it, once they got into the courtroom, because the courtroom is, it's goddamn amazing. It looks like when your uncle got divorced in like 1992 and then he had to like babysit you, so you went to his house. 
it's fucked up. There's just like glass block everywhere. Uh, it's, it's bizarre, man. Um, yeah. So I don't know. It's kind of a toss up because at points it kind of turns into something that's a little bit hilarious and it's almost admirable in, in how grating it is. But at the same time, I felt like I needed to take a drama mean before I started <laughs> watching. So it's a give and take thing. Yeah, the, the whole. I don't know. I, I'm kind of, I'm kind of pro this movie as far as like, it's <laughs> you pro Citizen Burning. Yeah, it's I mean, not compared good, to Ringmaster. Yeah, I, I watched him back to back, and yeah, it was that first thirty seconds where I was like, oh no, <laughs> oh what is happening? And then yeah. I don't know. I think that like courtroom stuff finds a, a fucking goofy ass tone that was like entertaining enough in, in like a scenery chewing courtroom sense where i was like mm -hmm. oh this is satisfying enough to watch and then the whole like third act where they get into this fucking big monologue that jerry springer is absolutely unequipped to deliver uh and then it goes into this whole execution thing and you're like what what the fuck what is this how is any of this happening who thought this was like an acceptable tonal shift for this fucking film and at that point, it became, like, strange enough that I kind of had some fun with it, as opposed to Ringmaster, which I don't give a shit if it's strange in, like, a, a like plot construction sense. It's also, it's, it's, like, the most grating and demeaning fucking sort of filmmaking I know. possible. I think both these movies should be studied by film scholars. Like, if you're in film school right now, watch this shit, because there's nothing else like it. Really, I mean, truly. I will say, I think I think Citizen Verdict has a joke in it. I don't know if it's intended to be a joke. It, it was either, either <laughs> do tell. It's, it's, it's either a joke or it's satire. I'm entirely unsure. But there's a really a really amusing part where uh, Armando Sante is on, who's the lawyer defend. He's the defense lawyer, and he's on the phone to his client, and his client is like cracking up because he's on death row. Basically, you know, he's, he's about to get like murdered by the state for a crime he claimed he didn't commit and he says to Armand Assange where are you and Armand Assange just says incredibly deadpan just like oh I'm on my boat and he is he's he's lying on the, the deck of his boat in the beautiful sunshine <laughs> and just he's like the shittiest thing in the world to say to a man but um is that satire totally unclear no idea this this yeah. movie doesn't really doesn't really understand do, any of it, those things because that immediately pivots to drama again because he's like I love the sound of the seagull. It's a beautiful sound. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, what are we doing? <laughs> the, even everything. With I like the, that better. The, that just makes me think they're like, yeah, well, he's on a boat. So he's going to say he's on a boat. Why? Well, he's yeah, an honest, honest man. He's, he's, he's the, he's the last honest man in America, you know? Um, even though I don't, everything about this trial stuff is, it's just really poorly conceived. Like, why do we make the guy actually guilty at, at a certain point if we're we're supposed to be on his side and sympathizing as he gets executed? <laughs> it's like, shouldn't we have just stuck with the story? <laughs> the, the, the total trial sequence is, like, genuinely... Like, if you... If you ever thought, like, Phoenix Wright Ace Attorney was like, this isn't, like, a real court proceeding, check this movie out. This is, like, way lazier and way... Without without the outlandishness of, of Phoenix Wright, just, like, it's just a bunch of people screaming objection and sustained over each other. And there's, only, there's one twist where a new piece of evidence shows up. Everything else is just nothing particularly it's just it's both it is literally that the judge calls and i was like you're both grandstanding and we're like yes they are which are we supposed to like <laughs> either of these people totally unclear i don't know man the de uh, there's a pretty strong defense they mounted like they brought up that witness and he was just like yeah she died on accident because of rough sex and i know because i used to fuck her in the ass yes yeah <laughs> like, oh, it's a really he, that makes sense yeah, i man. really like so that was, whole thing where they like bring it on tv and it's like you can't swear in the court on tv and it's like yeah that's definitely you know in the post jerry springer that's definitely what we were dealing yeah. with so For was sure. that uh like was the witness of a plant by jerry springer Considering all of this ended up being bullshit, I don't know. <laughs> That'd be so good. 
How much would it cost for you to get paid off to be a fake witness in a real trial where you say that you fucked a lady in the ass? Wouldn't this husband like sue the shit out of a fucking Jerry Springer <laughs> for just like dragging his dead wife's name through the mud for no reason? <laughs> yeah, Adam, that's the, the, thing, the main yeah. thing is that this movie assures us that once the slimy governor of Florida who revels in murdering people, once he finds out that Jerry Springer's not on the level, he's going to clean this place up. For some reason, yeah. like this, for a movie that seems like absolutely convinced that like we're on the precipice of oblivion, this movie has a weird faith and, and also includes like a massive miscarriage of justice at its center. This movie has an in incredible faith in due process and uh, systems of authority. Very confusing. Jack, it wasn't a miscarriage of justice, man. The guy was fucking guilty. He was, but yeah, obviously. but it's not really, not really in the in the sense that they they thought he was. I mean, the, the whole Are trial sure? is the whole trial is a farce. So it's it's you know, I'm not sure he would have been okay, found. It's okay though. We got the guilty guy. We fried him. That's what I mean. How do we? I, I I don't know. I I was I was pretty convinced that you know she was into butt stuff and she probably. Got you know she probably put that knife in her own throat. So what do you no, mean the guy specifically says I killed? <laughs> he did, that but he did it for he did it for money from Jerry Springer. It's not because he did yeah, it just Springer. for her necklace. That was just you know he was you know led along, and and so it changes the mm -hmm. nature of it. I don't even this, think that's entirely accurate. I don't think well, Jerry Springer was involved in her murder. I think <laughs> he just he he offered this guy an opportunity for uh, you know freedom um, and gave him a, a cooked up story i think the murder just was like independent Citizen verdict i guess uh you know all, all the listeners are gonna have to give this movie a watch and decide <laughs> I would not the, it's hard to make a public opinion <laughs> i mean the court of public opinion it's difficult to tell what people are saying at certain points you, you may be correct yeah. about that but yeah i mean he did kill her he is he is guilty but you know God. still and now nobody can buy the movie on dvd either because i bought the last one <laughs> Adam, so Adam's gonna have to rip good. a copy and share it on twitter yeah, if the audio is yeah. fixed I'll, I'll rip a copy and throw it up somewhere <laughs> that'll sure, be good. I'm sure cinemageddon yeah. needs a copy of this one because uh yeah, yeah, you know, for for the record, for the public, what what I guess the lesson from this though, from these two movies, is that in our Jerry Springer memorial episode, is that Jerry Springer appeared to mostly just be a weird extra in his own career, which is not what yep. I was expecting. But yeah, both of these movies, you could remove Jerry Springer. And wouldn't wouldn't change things much. And either of these movies, they still wouldn't work. They wouldn't make a lick of sense. But you know, he's he's there. He's just kind of hanging around. He at least he gets to hang out with some naked chicks in uh, Citizen Verdict. I mean, I guess he kind of does in Ringmaster, but he yeah. looks so bored. He looks so well, just mm -hmm. tired. That's another element of this movie, I suppose. Is is you might have thought. Well, this sounds terrible, but at least it's less uh, fucking racist and misogynist and debased than the prior movie. But I, I guess that's where the naked woman comes in. Like, what is, what is this like femme fatale element? Like, I have no idea what they're trying to accomplish with this assistant to Armand Asante, who is just like abruptly without explanation suddenly like a jerry springer's sex slave like <laughs> yeah. the, i think, I think the main lesson one. there is just that south africans can't be trusted which is you know <laughs> just a message mm -hmm. maybe we should be we should be spreading out there just more often who knows who knows what they're getting up to I down so. there adam yeah i've seen blood diamond i know what they're all about oh yeah and hellgate uh, which you know yeah powerful yeah. stuff makes sense powerful stuff well, Jerry Springer, we salute you from the uh, from the bunkers of London to a fucking TV production studio in L.A. and to movie sets and and then other stuff. We we should ask uh, Steve. I mean, like let's let's let Adam wait. Adam wait watched the third Jerry Springer movie that we didn't. He Dolph Lundgren made him what? the president. How did that did work you, out? Did you watch the Dolph Lundgren, Myra? Yeah, I, didn't know I you watched them all that. three in one day. I was like, ah, I'm <laughs> just going to keep And that's rolling. the one where he, he, I mean, we already talked about how even in movies where he is billed as a star, he's sort of a, a set piece slash extra in his own film. But what, what was the Dolph Lundgren movie like? Was yeah, it very I, I think centric? We had speculated that his role was going to be akin to Joe Estevez in uh, Decker. And this movie is essentially just an episode of Decker. Uh, no, that's great. I mean, Dolph Lundgren, he directs, right? He does. Uh, I hope he didn't have much hand in the edit because holy shit, it's, it's rough stuff. Uh, and he's also like kind of 
past his physical prime uh, when this comes out and looks completely goddamn ridiculous trying to play like a, a secret service agent or something because <laughs> he, he like can't hold a gun <laughs> it's, it's 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 quite ridiculous but i don't know the movie is certainly not confused about what genre it belongs in it, it belongs in the action genre and that is all it is it's just like an endless amount of guns firing for 90 minutes and people running from place to place that sounds uh, fantastic it's not trust me it's it's not <laughs> what well, i mean comparatively i mean when, when, when the bar is set at pick a genre and only one of these three movies has managed to climb over that one that's that's something yeah, I don't know. This has a, a needlessly convoluted plot as well. There's some sort of secret meeting between the gov the U.S. government and uh, uh, the Osama bin Laden stand-in in this fictional oh, world. Oh, shit. Except it's all an elaborate setup by President Peacenik Jerry Springer, who's trying to root out the subversive elements of the military-industrial complex that want his, his peace plans shelved or something. It doesn't really uh, add up, but uh, it's it's not a movie worth much uh, remark, I will say. It's, this is a very poorly edited, uh, bland action film uh, starring Dolph Lundgren, and occasionally Jerry Springer shows up sitting uh, in a desk chair. You know, that's about it. <laughs> <laughs> that's all you need. That's all you need. Man, did you know, I mean, Springer Show ran a lot later than I thought it. It ran until like 2018 on TV. That's fucking crazy. Well, I mean, since we just found out that the Steve show is still running, like, what the fuck? Oh, yeah, Steve like, Wilkos. Just yeah, TV never ends. It's like fucking Journey the Band or Chicago, like just every state Which is like fair. psychotic. Yeah. It's like, it's like as Jerry Springer begins to age out of his, like, stupid daytime talk show, it somehow, like, Steve Wilkos, who is just the security guard that kept people from murdering each other on the set from actually, you know, doing it. The guy that just pulled people apart, he gets his own show where he's just bald Jerry Springer and it's the same shit. Uh, kind of amazing. And I think, you know, late career Jerry Springer, don't sleep on it. You ever seen his, uh, his game show, Baggage? I've no? seen no Baggage. I've never I've even heard of this. I'm aware somehow. of it. <laughs> It's great. It's it's the gamification of Jerry Springer bullshit. So it's like uh, it, there's there's three contestants and then there's one like suitor. OK, so say it's a woman and, and three guys and the woman is going to choose one of the guys to, to go on a date with. However, they have to reveal their baggage. So each round they reveal like some horrific thing they do. Like the first guy opens the suitcase. It's like, I pooped the bed. Uh, and then, you know, they, they keeps escalating, escalating. By the third round, they have their ultimate baggage thing, which is like, I killed JFK. And then she has to decide if she wants to go on a date with the guy who killed JFK. Uh, it's yeah, it's great. It's wonderful because it's just an episode of Jerry Springer. But instead of people just staring at the camera and telling you the bad thing they did and then fighting, uh, they reveal it from a suitcase. And I love a little mystery. I mean, so honestly, God is highly recommend baggage. Probably better than 98% of, of self-professed uh, prestige television. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. he also got it's... into the judge game in his later years there as well. Oh, yeah, yeah. Judge Jerry. Because, I mean, yeah, he's he's got a law degree, so why can't he be Judge Jerry? Everybody needs a judge show. I mean, I'm sure Mills Lane didn't have any fucking law degree, and he still <laughs> to pull off he's the still TV judge. Listen, he's the ultimate judge in the octagon, buddy. Fair uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know. Uh, Jerry had a weird fucking career, but let me tell you, uh, there's, I, I cannot think of a cultural figure who has had that much of an impact and really done so little in the later half of his life. He basically just stood there and he watched people fight and he looked at boobs and he made a lot of money and he was a, a beloved, I don't know if beloved's the right word, but he was a important cultural figure it's remarkable god that bless him the nazis nearly took this from us yeah can you believe that man fucking hitler that's what a dick almost got that one too what a dick <laughs> mars i know you were pretty neutral on the guy up until now but the <laughs> fact that he almost got jerry that has to kind of change things for you right yeah yeah that really changes my perspective steve <laughs> maybe you need a little extra convincing we'll get you there one day uh, anyways, 
Yeah, we should probably wrap things up. So, Myros, what are you putting over this week? Uh, we just recorded like two days ago, and I don't fucking watch much. So, uh, just watch some Maury Povich. He's always better than Jerry Springer, anyway. Who are we kidding? Your uh, big uh, baby father reveal is that is that more your bag? I mean, it, it was a much better format. Uh, that that oh, changed the game in the trash TV spectrum. The the old pregnancy reveal that that was a big it was a game changer. You got to give Maury his his flowers. Yeah, he found his lane. He uh, found his lane. And he married Connie Chung, too, which is fucking weird, right? That is very weird. Very weird. Yeah. Uh, Jack, what are you putting over? Uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to steer to to highbrow uh, art cinema, uh, kind of. Uh, I'm going to put over The Victim, a uh, Sammo Hung movie I watched the other day, which is uh, a lot of fun. And uh, it just involves a lot of fighting and comedy until because this is an early Sammo Hung movie and anyone who's watched a few of those knows it's like they're all comedic until they suddenly become deadly serious in like whiplash fashion somewhere in the middle there'll be a twist and suddenly it's like this is now a blood feud and uh, it does that but it's it's pretty great and it has some amazing fights in it so yeah the victim um I don't know how you'll see it without just grabbing a copy off the internet. That's where I found a copy. I don't know where it is. So just do that, but watch it. It kicks yeah. ass. Just just log in. You'll find it. <laughs> well, I'm gonna I'm gonna also follow Myros's lead here and I'm gonna I'm gonna put over some talk show goodness. I would recommend you go go watch yourself some Geraldo. Specifically Gigi Allen on Geraldo. That's a good time. <laughs> Highly, highly recommend that. Uh, I think you can find it. It's probably on YouTube or Daily Motion or something. It's out there. Definitely watch that shit. And Geraldo is great because, you know, there were the talk show hosts that you kind of looked up to, you know, the aspirational figures, your Donahue's and your Oprah's. Uh, there were the ones that kind of functioned as audience surrogate, you know, Jerry Springer, where he would ask basic questions and then just let people beat the shit out of each other and then just kind of stand back and watch it happen. And then there's guys like Geraldo who were just giant pieces of shit and it was, you, you've kind of wanted something bad to happen to him. And frequently bad things did happen to Geraldo. Uh, Geraldo's been punched in the face. Uh, remember that one time when he tried to find like Al Capone's vault and he just opened a fucking empty room because he's a total dipshit and it was on live TV? <laughs> yep. It's so good. Geraldo's entire life is a joke. It's a farce. Uh, it, the man has a respectable mustache, but that's the only respectable thing about him. So uh, laugh at Geraldo. Love Gigi Allen. Those are the two things you need to know in life. Now, if you're listening to this podcast right now, do us a favor and click on the link in the description, that'll take you to our Patreon. Uh, you've got a fabulous new Patreon episode, a patron-exclusive episode, our thoughts on Evil Dead 2013 and the new Evil Dead Rise. It's up there. You can listen to it. Is it? That's exciting. Oh. It is. It, it'll be, yeah, it's up. It's up. I mean, we're recording this in advance. It's up, trust me. It's oh, up. I uh, thought you were should, just I mean, being proactive and I didn't recognize no, no, I think uh, Colin forgot to cut it, but it's oh. fine. He, he's going to do it. Sorry, Colin, just throwing you under the bus. Yeah, he's like, hey, guys, I'll edit your show for free. We're like, yeah, you piece of shit. Fucking do <laughs> it's not it. like either of us <laughs> couldn't have cut it together. Either. No, he is. <laughs> but uh, yeah, anyways, uh, so that's up there for you. There's, there's plenty of uh, written and uh, recorded content from Optimism Vaccine over the years. It's exclusive to the Patreon. You can only get it there. That's great. Also, if you're a new patron, I'm going to send you, you live in the continental United States, I'm going to send you a movie in the mail, just like I sent Adam Myros a copy of Citizen Verdict. You're going to get something from my personal collection. I just added some new stuff to the send to patrons pile. Got some good shit. Also, I'm thinking about just as a, a thank you to the homies, maybe uh, send it out another round. If you're a five and above uh, uh, donator, then hey, maybe you're going to get another treat in the mail soon. You don't know. Anything could happen at any point. Maybe I'll just mail you a bunch of drugs. How cool would that be? You want to get a fat J in the mail, Myros? Well, illegal drugs, you know. You don't want to get our you patrons get in the hot Advil water. And a, you want to get a 311 CD in the mail? Maybe. Uh, yeah, and then if you donate at higher levels, uh, $5, you have the ability to vote in our patron polls. Probably going to do another one of those soon. Uh, it gives you things like our amazing Brett Michaels episode that everybody loved and enjoyed watching those movies. Right, Myros? And uh, you also better? get your name I think, out of here. <laughs> I'm trying to figure yeah, out. I think out Brett which, Michaels is better. What was better, Maybe? Springer or Brett Michaels? <laughs> it's hard. 
These are the, the tough questions that we tackle every single day. Uh, Marlos, who are our five and above donator people? Uh, we have CWW, Evan, Ryan, Dustin, and Paula. God bless them all. God bless them all. Uh, and then, of course, if you want to donate at the highest level, we got a $25 level, and you can do that reoccurring if you really love us, or you can do it just once. And if you do it just once, that's fine. But uh, what you get there is you get to dictate an entire episode yourself. So it's not just voting. You become the dictator. You get to tell us exactly what the fuck you want. Anything. How many times? Can we watch The Whale three times, Myros? Uh, I don't think we allow for the, the demands of multiple viewings of things, but uh, you know. <laughs> we really watch like The Whale and Whale shit. Rider and something else with whales. <laughs> Ooh, we should watch Moon Warriors. Jack? That's uh, Samuel Hong with a, with a killer whale. With a whale? Series suggestion. Okay. Great movie. Orca? Oh yeah, we could throw an orca too. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I, I whale feel like yeah. these movies really should have whale in the title. Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll we'll figure it out. We'll figure out whale. Oh, the squid and the whale. We have the squid and the whale. <laughs> squid and the whale. I just I just want to watch a Brendan Fraser in a fat suit jack off. Is that so much to ask? Apparently, no, I feel like you. the squid and the whale. It's really just a metaphorical whale, whereas in the rest of them, it's yeah. a real whale. Except in the one with Brendan Fraser, I think, but I haven't watched Does it. Doesn't somebody? Doesn't somebody jack off in the squid and the whale too? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. It's jacking off. Okay. I think well, there's a whale too. Thing. It's just dead, right? Maybe. I think there's well, like that's, a museum. That's, that's Workmeister work Harmonies. That's different. Oh. oh uh, could be. <laughs> <laughs> I thought there was like a, a, a preserve, like a museum exhibit or something of that nature, but it's Maybe. been a long time. Who knows? I don't know. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. So, hey, if you have any questions, comments, death threats, marriage proposals, if you know any good movies about whales and jacking off, optimismvaccine at gmail.com. Adam Myros, smash and refresh on the inbox. Uh, you can also tweet at us at optimismvaccine. We would love to hear from you. Um, and I think that's everything. So, uh, we'll be back and hopefully we'll watch something better. 